Hi there, everybody. Um, we've had some last-minute manipulations going on to get the things ready that we need to speak about tonight. So there might be a couple of rough bumps here, if you will. I know you have in the past. I hope tonight. Michael Moore, and this is the UFO report, among other things, among many things. But we have, um, we have an opening brief story, uh, a bit of information in the UFO world that came my way earlier today. There's a, a young attorney in the Chicago area who uh, I spoke with and uh, presented information to her on the, you know, on Billy Meyer UFO contacts and all of this information. And the reason I contacted her is because she was advertising and she was involved in a group of lawyers, I guess, that were working with uh, Stephen Greer of the so-called Disclosure Project. And this young woman, Paige Fox, Paige N. Fox, I believe is her full name, uh, went on Twitter today with a kind of a lengthy tract explaining why she was no longer wanting to not only work with and was no longer actually working with, associating with or having anything to do with Mr. Greer because of certain things that uh, didn't feel compatible for her in the way that he dealt with people and other issues, including a, a very unusual thing that he had, I guess, demanded of her, and that was that she, he told her she was no longer to speak to or be in any contact with anybody in the UFO, UAP world, any groups, individuals, etc. A rather ungenerous way, if you if you don't mind my saying, of dealing with uh, people in the world, let alone in the UFO world, for Mr. Greer, who considers himself some kind of an expert. And I consider him a shameless huckster who has denied the truth of this material going back almost 20 years, despite all of the people who brought it to him, including me, of course, and um, to promote all sorts of escapist, diversionary, uh, unessential, non-essential things pertaining to this subject. And uh, it's one thing after another. And the man has zero actual evidence, lots of talk. And I felt very frustrated for a while with the way things were always featuring this disclosure project approach that never discloses anything of significance and simply sells very expensive trainings and talks about alien bodies and buried alien craft and just stuff that has no value to the average person in a world that is, uh, let's say, uh, redolent with problems of all sorts that are critical to the survival of people in this world, individually, countrywide, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I think we have, I don't know if that's a call. It's, it says guest speaker. We, I guess, have two. If we have a call, we could take it now. Otherwise, I'll, I'll carry on a little bit about this UFO thing. So if we don't have a call, we do have a guest that's going to come up shortly that I want people to meet. So, uh, okay, what I want to do is continue with this and say, look, I am personally experiencing things for, for years and decades 
with the manipulation in media, with the manipulation in ufology, and people may get tired of hearing complaints about it, but I'm going to give you a very current example. You may know, I think you may know, a lot of you, that we have presented some, let's see, let's see, other computers share. Uh, I'm going to share screen for just a moment, so anybody else, hang in there, and I'm going to... Uh, give you something to look at here some eye candy hopefully you can see that so what you've got here is good uh you have here on the left this is a put out a blog amazing new u.s government ufo evidence and that was to be polite that was tongue-in-cheek because recently you know here's billy's photographs on the left some of billy's photographs on your left clear as day taken in 1975-76 at the latest. On the right is the evidence that the government is just salivating over and, and making all sorts of, you know, uh, programs to expose this these breakthrough videos to the public, the appoint committees, and, and et cetera, et cetera. Here's the problem with it. This information I put together for a press release with a company based in Dubai, if you will, based in Dubai. And this company uh, is very, very interesting because they're unlike other PR companies in this way. They do not require you to pay until they've placed your press release in major media. Well, guess what, folks? And I'm going to get off the screen. The press release that I wrote for them that has certainly an abundance of Billy's information and talk about the, especially I focused in that press release on the uh, fantastic photos of this UFO stealth, which are more remarkable even, you know, than anything there. So far, they can't get it published. And I'm going to go into some information in a little bit. I'm going to go into some information as to why I think they can't get it published. And it's kind of interesting. It's actually worse than interesting. It's rather depressing because the implications in this case, in this particular situation, why this material cannot be published, uh, they have great ramifications. And I will be speaking about them when I get into talking about some of the bullet points that I listed in the blog tonight. Before we get into that, and it may seem just a little bit, uh, oh, we're getting, uh, pardon me, getting a call from, I think it's from our guest. Hello. Hello. Ah. Michael. Yes. Are you? Sorry, I, I, maybe you're in the middle of something, but the link is not working for me, so I was wondering if you can extend it or something. Oh, okay. Um <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm on the show, and I thought you were there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to figure out how to send the link again, and I will do that maybe yeah. at a break time, and then I, what I'll do is I'll move on to some other things. We're sharing this with people tonight and in the stream and online. This is a guy I want to ha have you meet. <laughs> this is Francisco right here. Okay, so I'm going to try to multitask a little, and um, if I don't. If I don't succeed in that, we will do it again later. <laughs> All right. 
Yeah. And try, did you try the link again, Francisco? Did you try to log in again? Yeah. I tried it twice already, and uh, it says invalid. Hmm. Okay. So everybody at home, this is here. We are. Okay. I'll get back to you one way or the other. Okay. So sorry. So sorry. All right. Bye bye. I have the miracle of modern technology, and in this case, I could plead some kind of ignorance only because I did get it to him before, and he got it and worked, but for some reason now it isn't. So I'm going to try to, as subtly as I can, to send it out to him while we're here, you know, doing this. So I'm going to go and speak to you at the same time. I'll do a little multitask here if I can, and I'm going to speak to you about the the situation that I came upon kind of by accident, one of them, uh, well, two of them, or three of them, a lot of people submit links to the show because I ask people to suggest topics. I say, you know, please subject topics for the show. It's really important that we do things that are going to be, you know, relevant to the interests of the audience. There are many people who already know about Billy Meyer, and that's great. But there's a lot of folks out there that that join us, uh, and maybe tonight or live stream or what have you, who don't know anything about the Billy Meyer UFO contacts. And so I try to bring them up to speed. I try to bring people up to speed by, um, well, doing the corroboration of the prophecies for those folks who aren't familiar here. We always try to bring up some information showing that Billy Meyer has published prophecies and predictions, specifically when I say information, about events that have not occurred yet or discoveries that haven't been made in the world. And I don't mean lucky guesses. I don't mean that, uh, you know, something, it's not like Nostradamus vague stuff. What Billy publishes is always uh, specific. Dates often or years may be given in some cases, but not all. Sometimes they won't give information that is going to have people panicking, but they will warn so that people will start to pay attention to things in the news. So there was an article in the news submitted to me, I think by my friend Donna in Hawaii, and that headline on the article was Second Earthquake in Week strikes Campi Flegri, I should pronounce it, Campi Flegri area in Italy, southern Italy. And why is that important to us sitting where we are here? Well, that's important to us sitting where we are here because it ties into events that are coming our way, events that may be starting in other parts of the world. So let me be specific. Campi Flegri in Italy is one of five volcanoes specifically mentioned beginning in 1948. Information provided to and shown to young Billy Edward Albert Meyer. He wasn't Billy then, he was just Edward Albert Meyer. Sorry, folks, I know you know that. And in that information, I'm not going to bring stuff up on the screen on this. You go to the blog, you're going to find it all. It's all freely posted. Here's what it was. There are five specific volcanoes in Italy. Myers told this and shown it in 1948. In the coming time, in the new millennium, 
they're going to become very active among many volcanoes. These will be significant for a number of reasons. Parts of Italy may go into the sea at a certain point. And this particular volcano, Campi Flagrarian or Flagarian Field, I always screwed it up because I don't have it in front of me. That's what its real name is, and it's called Campi so what happens is, in that same information, this man, Swath, Billy's first contact person, the play yarn, tells him that between, I think it's 2015 and 2017, there are going to be very, very strong earthquakes in central Italy. These will be the precursors. These will be the things that announce, if you will, the coming time and the coming eruptions. They don't give dates beyond that, but he gave those dates. So naturally, I jumped onto, you know, Google, whatever, and I said, you know, strongest earthquakes at this time. Those earthquakes occurred, and uh, at least one of them was regarded as the strongest earthquake recorded, I guess, since 1500 or something like that. 1948, he's telling us that there are going to be earthquakes in Italy. 2015, 16, 17, right in there. Strong, really strong, that area. And now, since then, the five volcanoes have all become active to varying degrees. If I can remember, it's Vesuvius, Mount Etna, Campi Flegri, um, let's see, Marsili, and there's another one, naturally, I'm, I'm forgetting it for you. So, those have all become active in the past 10 years or so, more active than normal. Mount, Mount Etna, Marsili, Campiflegri, Vesuvius, and that other one that's escaping. And so, oh, you guys know it. So, okay, fine. Um, so what we've got here is a situation that I'm going to follow up on in a moment where I talk about another two or three things. Actually, all of this is tied together. Let's bring Francisco on since that little bit of the Jardimain or whatever they call it apparently worked. He's got the, he's got the link and we've got him there. So Francisco, are you there? Uh oh. Come in, please. I see him. Ah, can you hear me? <laughs> I can hear you. Are you on video too, or just audio? Uh, let me just do the video right now. Boom! There right. you are. <laughs> I trust that are <laughs> great. Okay, greetings. Greetings, greetings. How are you? Good. I'm going to just do a light introduction because I'm going to have you do the real part. But Francisco and I, we've known each other. He has been someone who's been solid in supporting this work, the mission, Billy Meyer's work, our work on the blog. And I think what I want to do is just ask, how did you find out about the Billy Meyer material? Let people know. Sure. Uh, well, I guess like uh, a lot of people, you know, the book that started it all was uh, the UFO Contacts from the Pleiades or Pleiadians. And, uh, you know, I got to say, I was working at a uh, bookstore called B. Dalton's in South Florida. And... Uh, I saw that book, I was just passing through and I saw it like it was actually prompt where you can see the, obviously the, the first picture of that beautiful ship coming over the uh, the hill. 
And and I go to myself, there's no way this can be true. This is no this is not real. This is cannot be real. And I guess it started all from there, you know. You just kind of uh, started looking at it, and uh, I read the book. I looked at the pictures, and I go, wow, this guy, this person has pictures from inside one of the ships. He has it from uh, above it, below it, you know, in a hill, in a mountain. And I'm going to myself, how can this be possible? And it's not like you will say, a lot of people will say, well, I just saw like a light up over here and I saw something that came around on my on my side of my uh, eye no 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 it was just so clear it was just unbelievable for me for me uh, then afterwards obviously uh, you came into the picture I think it was uh, one of your presentations with Art Bell oh yeah oh, yeah and in those days obviously that's when the contact reports were coming out and uh, for me, anyways, I never knew there was any contact reports. And uh, Billy Meyer, a Swiss uh, person from, uh, okay, wait a minute, where did I heard that before? Okay, <laughs> yeah, I remember that book. Wow, interesting. Yeah, you know, our bell used to come out really, really late. So I go, yeah, I got to stay out for this one. So I did. And uh, hey, I've been looking into it uh, ever since. And uh, I got to thank you because. You were the one that actually, you know, kept me going as far as uh, where to look, uh, presenting the information in a concise, clear way, I believe. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what I came about. And uh, it's been incredible since. You know, I just can't believe what I'm reading every day, every day about this material. And and your, uh, your blog is incredible. It just... Uh, the previous one with the electron uh, uh, energy is uh, is just unbelievable. It's like, yeah, Renee, yeah, I think we're heading in the right direction. <laughs> you know? Good, you know, um, I was glad. I, I love it when when people are interested enough to submit good, interesting articles. We've got like four or five people, I think, now who have submitted great articles, thought-provoking, and referencing Meyer's material, which, as as you know, covers such a span. Now, so was that somewhere in the 90s that you came in touch with it? I mean, the book was out 79 or so, and then was yeah. it the 90s for you? Uh, the contra reports were, but uh, the 90s, uh, the 80s, and the uh, late, I would say early 80s, that's when I kind of saw the book. And it was like in the back of my mind, you know, obviously I've been always interested in it. And uh, but uh, basically, the main stuff I think in the nineties when uh, when you when the contact reports came out and uh, you presented it to everybody and everybody was like, eh, like I said, it's been uh, quite a journey. It hasn't ended yet. So I'm now, do you want to say anything more about your work beyond the book bookstore? So so yeah. So after that. Uh, did various jobs. I uh, became a bartender, always in good spirits. That's what they say. But uh, actually, uh, then I became a police officer. So I was uh, in law enforcement for 25 years. And uh, talking about the evidence on this case is just uh, so solid. It's crazy. Uh, you have mentioned a few times uh, about your encounter with a judge in one of the conventions. 
whereas uh, you presented the case and who will prevail? You will, right? So, yeah, with me and also the uh, investigator from the uh, higher-ups in the government, where he uh, he says this is 100% real and I can take on anybody. Yeah. Uh, the name escapes me. But, uh, but uh, actual, you know, for me in particular, you know, having a law enforcement background, it was just like uh, Sergeant Friday, right? Just the facts. So you got this pictures, video, audio, mm-hmm. metal samples. What else do you want? You want for them just to come down and tell you something? So, yeah, it's just uh, for me, it's, uh, it's in multifaceted. Uh, all these, uh, after I dig, dug a little bit more into it with the spiritual teachings, meaning, you know, in my line of work, obviously, you will have the unfortunate uh position to probably take a life and uh that was always uh me born a catholic uh it was like well he should not kill you know the commandments and you know obviously i got into buddhism too oh well you know you should always uh kind of endure the suffering and i guess get shot so (laughs) you know obviously the catholic turned the other cheek right Mm -hmm. but uh you know, through these uh, teachings, you actually say, you know, listen, uh, obviously, if you don't kill in, uh, in a ge- degenerate way, I believe it is, uh, and to self-preservation, obviously, and uh, to save the life of somebody else. And I go, you know what? This makes so much sense to me. You know what I mean? It's like uh, that's how it went with me. And you can see that, and, and it tells you over and over. Look at nature. What do you see in nature? You see a lot of killings too. But what? For preservations. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's very multifaceted. It's complete. And I cut your sh- latest show, uh, the previous show, kind of like on Friday. And uh, you had a very interesting uh, lady, Bridget, I believe it was. And uh, she was like saying, it was talking to me. So I was going, you know what? It's just... It, it it really is in, in a nutshell. It just talks to you. Uh, these uh, friends of ours, I never met anybody, but obviously they kind of know us more than we know ourselves. And obviously it has to do with a lot of experience, a lot of, you know, trials and tribulations. And, uh, you know, here we go. So, yeah, it's uh, very real for me. Yes, sir. And that's why I believe in mm. It's not to believe, but you know, you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> it, it's a knowing that you have, yes, and that replaces beliefs, and that's yes. such a foundational purpose for this material, as you know, Francisco. I mean, okay, you came from a tradition with the religion you were brought up in, and you alluded to certain things about it, and and again, uh, not again, but it's so irrational. And people are taught to be subservient to irrationality in religions. And it's fine if people want to, be, you know, say, say believe things, but reading the teaching, studying it, applying it, and then, like you said, preservation, not self-sacrifice, it doesn't do any good. 
So anything else you'd like to, to say about your experience and study, you're welcome to. Well, yeah, it's, it's just been uh, uh, quite a learning, quite a journey so far. Uh, I think I'm on it for like uh, maybe 15 years, maybe 20. Just looking bits and pieces and and like the the more I read, the more I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's just like it never ends. I don't know how this person can actually write all these uh, uh, books, papers, and uh, it's just very inspirational. Anywhere you can look at, you know, you can open up a page, cover your eyes, go like this, <laughs> go down. Something profound there. Absolutely. Very, very compelling. Very, very compelling for me. And uh, I guess for a lot of people as well. Not a lot of people get it. Not a lot of people get it. And I ask, you know, a lot of people, you know, look at this. Look at this. What about you have a video of the, uh, I believe it's a wedding cake video where yeah. he's filming it. And I go, okay, this is 1975. Look at this. His video. And you can see the VHS is kind of, He's got a distortion going on at first. Mm-hmm. And, uh, okay, he's going to zoom up in a little. What do you think? What the hell is that? What is that? And they go, oh, uh, it's a tree. Yeah, but what's next to it? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, uh, mm-hmm. no. Some some people just go, okay, yeah, well, just uh, I'm going to go pray over here. Okay, go ahead. So, yeah, a lot of people get it right away. But a lot of people, I just, I don't know. I just, I don't get it. And, of course, can blame them also a lot of indoctrination years and years of that and uh of course uh our beautiful and uh magnificent phones you know when i was growing up they tell hey why don't you just go outside and and play because you don't want to watch tv all the time you're going to turn to a couch potato now the phone you can take it with you you can be outside but you can be on that phone you're not going to see anything so it is a very very uh difficult to explain to people and one of the things i've learned through these teachings of course is to just let go uh let it be like the beatles say you know uh you know you don't understand it i'm not gonna jam it down your throat and hey and that's the way it is and i respect whatever you try to tell me oh yeah they try to tell me all this stuff and hey why don't you come to church with me i go you know what i think i'm that lost lamb and i'm gonna stay around here just See what's going on, gracing on these pastures over here, and then I'll I'll let you guys know what's going on. But always very respectful about everybody's uh, beliefs and uh, and uh, knowings, and uh, and that's it, you know. But uh, it's a little bit uh, it's a l- little bit disheartening and a little bit uh, uh, crazy how the world is right now. But uh, hey, we just got to keep on tinkering on it, you know. Yeah, I I thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing your whole take on it. Your your every I don't have to say any more about it. Everybody got Mm -hmm. so thank you again, Francisco, and um, definitely see you in our interactions pertaining to all of this. And hang in if you want to watch you know the rest of this because we've got some things I want to talk about now that are connected to what I was kind of trying to put together prior, you know, here a little bit. So we talked about photos and we talked about, uh, we, I guess I can say I talked about the photos and I was talking about putting out press releases and the problems with that. And there is something 
that's going on in the world that is not just a conspiracy theory. What it is is a very real uh, move by very negative forces to shut down things that oppose their agenda. Some of it, there are conspiracy theories that are wrong, and there are things that are right now we can we can say, oh, this is right in our face. So you mentioned electron energy and that wonderful article by Renee Kay. I actually only got to read it today, and that'll that'll be pertinent to something that I'm I'm gonna bring up in a little while and that um people will be able to scratch their heads about. I did see a video by a guy named uh, Porter Stansbury. I've seen some of his stuff in the past, and I don't always watch it all the way through because it's a lot of pitch for financial this and by that and what have you. And this this video, there was something about it. It was about the two billionaires in America who are behind this huge agenda to basically destroy the American uh, you know, social structure, financial freedom, uh, everything through their machin. Oh, pardon me, I pronounce it wrong. So machinations? All right. And um, I was kind of curious to get his take on this. And so there, the link is in the blog. You can watch his video. And he's got another video pertaining to Elon Musk that I think we're going to visit at some point because of things that Billy has already published some time ago. Now, in terms of this video, he starts detailing the way in which the country has been set up to, you know, to, to collapse and how these particular powerhouses, these two guys and their huge corporations and entities are part and parcel of this and are really, it's like, I don't have words for it in a way because to me, I don't understand why people want to crush everybody in the country and only be the only ones that have anything, but nonetheless, they do. So one of the persons is revealed to be, his name I think is Larry Fink from BlackRock. Now this is interesting because Again, it's back in about 1948 that Billy Meyer, young Edward Albert Meyer, is told about what uh, Svath describes as a capital might, a capital or financial you know, economic powerhouse that will come into existence, that will be in effect like part of the shadow government of the United States of America, that they will be pulling a lot of strings. 1948, long before it ever comes into existence. And it's just in it's in one of these lengthy prophecy prediction things from from 1948 to 2020 or however it was titled. And it's freely available on theflyblog.com. And when BlackRock started to become something that was catching my attention, because I'm not one of those people who's in the financial economic world and following stock markets and all, and realizing that they were this strange entity, and a lot of people in the so-called alternative media, conspiratorial media, so they're talking about BlackRock too, which in a way initially put me off. I was a little prejudiced against that. Then I thought, well, wait a minute. This isn't the Meyer material. Let's see what everybody's got to say. And everybody was very concerned about BlackRock and their holdings. They 
trillions of dollars, tri- not millions and billions, trillions, that this guy, Larry Fink, is effectively probably the most powerful guy in the country, if not one of the most powerful people in the world. And he's smiling away there on his face. And uh, Porter Stansberry, as you'll see, should you watch his video, goes into explaining more and more about this. And uh, I didn't follow through to the end, except there were some things that he was talking about that are going to be pertinent to what we go into in a moment. I'm going to come back to what he said. The other guy he mentioned was Michael Bloomberg. Bloomberg, big financial guy, big publications. He was the mayor of New York City. And so Stansberry here is talking about these two guys and their nefarious agenda. And with Bloomberg, so Bloomberg, according to Stansberry, now dictates to all the top companies, here, this is my link backwards, to all of the top companies, at least in America, what they will publish and what they won't, and what they will support and what they won't. And his agenda, as is Fink's, is very radically left socialistic, where all of this pervasive, degenerative, kind of degenerate, uh, influence on children and on the society, pushing extreme behaviors as the norm into people's faces, as opposed to saying, well, we have everybody in the society. People have their own preferences for food, for partnership, for sex, for whatever. But no, we now know this so-called woke thing. Well, Bloomberg, he's so powerful that he can threaten companies like Disney, like Disney that they will adopt certain agendas or he's going to make it very difficult for them. So what is it that now we've got Bloomberg and this massive influence on the media. So I come back to what I said earlier about here's this press release that comes out. One of the top topics internationally in the world is what? UFOs. And every know nothing, whether they're, I'm a UFO expert or they're a scientist pushing books about things they know nothing about anyhow, or all of the fringe people that have something to say about ufology, those people have no trouble getting into the mainstream because the agenda to distort and suppress that which is really true, it welcomes people who know nothing and are going to be as loud as they can about pushing it, sell their books, what have you. Okay. So, the difficulty, apparently, unless I hear otherwise from these guys, they've had it a while. They've run into a while. These guys are in a big company in Dubai. They, they were so excited about this. They were genuinely excited about the information. I guess they've seen some of the stuff going on in the world. Ah, they, yeah, they're running with it right away. They, they have finished it. They started running. And not hearing anything from them. Michael Bloomberg is dictating what gets out into the world about UFOs and UAPs. And Billy Meyer, I don't think Bloomberg wants Billy Meyer out there. I hope I'm wrong. With coming back to Porter Stansbury, one of the things I got this far in the video with him, he's talking about how bad this is going to be for the country. But of course, he has vested interests in certain things and He seems to have been right with a lot of predictions, economic predictions, at least from what he said there. And it's great that he was. Billy Meyer is more right, but that's not the point here of this. 
He's talking about the way in which people can profit from this. And the last thing I heard him talk about was he was very down, of course, on the woke agenda. He's very down on the climate as a as a crucial and critical issue for people everywhere, especially you know in in America too, because he doesn't see it as the big thing. No, this isn't that important. And what's going to save us? Wait for it. Is the development of more and more biocarbon uh, or bio? Uh, well, I guess I'm saying it more and more carbon-based fuels developing. This is the secret and natural gas. This is what's going to make us great again economically. Well, well, I can agree with him about the woke thing and the whole you know, degradation of society thing. I don't agree with him about, obviously, the, the climate and uh, being not so important. I certainly don't agree with him about prioritizing, you know, fossil fuels, which may sound a little Mm, strange as we get a little farther into this. Here's what you see has bothered me for a long time about the whole environment thing. So I like to tell my little story that I'm a teenager. I figured it out because I wasn't driving yet. So I must have been just about 16 at the, at the oldest. And I'm on a bus in Chicago where I'm going through 76 diversity bus. It was, I don't know if it still runs, but we're going through Lincoln Park on the way downtown. I love doing that. And I was happened to be standing on the bus because it, it felt good to bounce around, right? There was a bus in front of us. So we weren't going all that fast. But I was noticing that the fumes coming out of that bus from the you know oil products that Stansbury thinks we should be focusing on. Of course, he's also warning that all of these prices, and that's where I also agreed with him, are going to continue to go through the roof and so many things are dependent directly or indirectly on gas and oil prices so here's the smoke belching out of this bus in front of me and i say to myself geez the fossils have come back together which is only partially right it isn't all fossil but the fossils have come back to get us it's terrible smoke so here i'm 16 in chicago and i'm this is bad. The air pollution thing came into my conscious awareness. I thought, you know, not good. Now, I didn't become a radical or any kind of a real environmentalist because yeah, I was just about to you know, get out of high school soon and a year or two, whatever. And my interest, there was nobody around talking about air pollution. There was nobody around talking about the environment. Nobody in my circle. We were into music. We were into arts, performing. It's some years later after I do graduate from high school and I go to the Art Institute of Chicago. And I'm a painter. I'm a painting student. And I'm just I, having a great time. It's wonderful. I, I did very poorly in art history. I fell asleep in the academic classes. Didn't interest me. I just wanted to paint and hang out in the cafeteria and play my guitar and all that stuff that came with it. So I graduate and there's another painter a guy named Stanley Edwards. He was like a year ahead of me. Stanley was quite a character, probably still is in Chicago. He was somewhat of a dandy in a way in, in art school. He uh, would come in wearing a vest and, and a jacket. He would paint, dress, well, he was dressed up. He, he was fastidious. He had a tie on and all sorts. Sometimes then he would wear some kind of a 
uh, top hat or whatever it was. It was just like he was a genuine character. You don't see that quality of character. You see people, you know, these days falling in line with whatever the social norms are, as dictated a lot by, you know, social media, music, celebrities, and whatever. Stanley was this kind of iconoclastic figure. And he had a great sense of humor. Now, I'll tell this little divergent anecdote about Stanley, simply mm, because it's too late for anything bad to happen for, about it. And it's just the way this guy handled things that he, it was, it was elegant in a way. This was the time of the draft and he was eligible. He got called up for the draft. And of course, a number of us knew about that. And the next day we, we were very interested. What happened, Stan? What, what are you drafted? What happened? He said, no. Um, he said, I went in there and I uh, affected a very, I'm putting it now in politically correct terms, not the terminology that Stanley laid it out in, which was hysterical because he was such a funny person. Um, he said, I, in effect, affected a very um, kind of, a, you know, gay persona. I expressed great interest in being in the armed forces because I could be around a lot of other males. And, and I played it to the hilt. That's essentially what he said. But the way he did it, was having everybody on the floor because at that time, uh, and these weren't people who were bigots because the art world is full of people, even back in the sixties who were gay, were this, were that. And especially in Chicago, it was just fine. It was all part of that whole gestalt, that whole culture. So he wasn't, you know, demeaning or, or derogatory towards gay people. He just presented how he played it to the hilt because at that time, if you came in like that in that kind of an outfit and did the dance, they don't want you in the armed forces. And they gave him uh, the door rather quickly. He got to do a minute or two of his act and out they sent him. So he moves to New York City somewhere around the time I do. And we end up doing writing together with another guy named Bobby Kaminsky, an animated series Captain Tim and the little pollution. So air pollution comes back. Living in New York City, you know about air pollution. I bring this with me when I move to L.A. I go to a place called Filmation. Norm Prescott runs it. They're the big animation house for cartoons and Saturday morning shows. I bring up, we illustrated storyboards. I have it up on, on the blog. And he says, oh, that's really, that's a great work. Right? Yeah, go, oh, good care. He says, but who cares about air pollution? Nice, but we... We're not going to do anything with it. Uh, who cares about air pollution? All right. So let me start getting cutting to the chase here. A few years back, I get I, I was on a call with a couple guys from Marina Del Rey, California. This is how I remember it. And one of them was a guy who goes by the name of Thunder. It's kind of a nickname for him. Kind of an interesting character, I thought. Spoke and we were talking to the three of us and then I never heard from these guys again. I thought maybe they reached out to me and I missed it, but within the past couple of weeks, he pops up, popped up on Facebook and he says, we got to get together. We've got stuff to do. And I thought, Oh, what is that? What are you talking about? So I get in touch with this guy, Thunder. And he says, yeah, I've, I've got some interesting things. It's time to bring them out. I had to, take them out off the market. There was, I had trouble before with these. He 
invented some things. We'll get into that in a moment. And he said, um, but now I'm clear to do whatever I want with it. And I said, well, what do you have? What, do you, what is it? Well, I, I invent things that are energetic, you know, and, all, and I said, well, you know, energy things. Well, what, what, what are you talking? He said, okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I got and I'll send you a link to some information I used to have online. I said, okay, what is it? So I start to look at it, reading it, and he says, this is a hologram. And you can take this hologram and point it at your car, on your cell phone. And just for a few minutes, three to five minutes, point it at your fuel tank. Okay. And then go and drive your car and watch and feel, listen, look. What happens? Okay, I said, well, it's a little far out. I'll get one. I got one. And I actually put it on my tablet first because I hate putting things on cell phones. So I go outside and actually I started the car up so I'd get a sense of how it ran and all that. And I'm directing the thing there. Okay. And then uh, in the ensuing day or two, did some driving and it was very strange because... In this car, it's a Subaru car, a few years old Subaru car. It's got a place there where on the center of the dash, it'll read out your miles per gallon. And above that, it's got a place where it tells you how many miles you could be driving, I guess, at the speed that you're you're at, how many miles you could drive on the amount of gas that you've got. I had just filled the car up like the day before I got in touch with the guy, so I had pretty full tank. Usually, if I'm recalling right, I get a a reading of about 500 miles. So we're in the car. I'm driving there with Andrea. We're driving around. And I said to her right before, I said, I want you to pay attention to these two numbers here. I'm going to pay attention to the road. It's not that I can't look, but do you see where the numbers are at now? And she said, yeah, that's that's at... um, 350 or 360 and that one down there is a 26 or 27 i said okay all right to make a long story short as we're driving it takes about five to eight minutes and she says look at that that number is going up in miles per gallon in front of our eyes the mileage number is going up in front of our eyes we finally get we drive around just you know, I don't know, 45 minutes a day or something. It's showing that we've got enough gas for 650 miles and we're up to about 32, 33 miles per gallon. I don't get more in city driving or certainly in city city combined. I don't get more than 27 or so miles per gallon. I don't know if it's because of ethanol gas for the seat, whatever it is. It's not the most economical car. It's okay. It's nice. If I if I take a ride to L.A., you're going downhill a lot from being up in the mountains, and so you're getting really good mileage for a while. You come back up the hill, and you're back to what it was. And we're going, what? And I called the guy. I said, hey, I just, this, and he said, yeah. He said, okay, so let me just tell you a little more. Now we're, we're only down to a half a tank. We haven't even gone through a full tank. Took a drive yesterday, about 167, 70 miles to Grand Canyon and back. We're driving 
as fast as 75 to 80. We're driving as slow as maybe briefly 45 to 55. So there's a lot of high-speed driving there, higher speed. And some of the lower, 33 miles per gallon. And the mileage, it goes down because the, there, we're using gas, but it's, it's we're still pretty close to what we started with at the 350 or 60 thing. And he says, yeah, well, okay, let me tell you a little more about it. He says, now, after your first oil change, you're probably going to see some really dirty oil, really dirty oil. I want you to change your oil at that point. After over your first tank at the end of that, change your oil. And then watch what happens because you're probably going to see an increase. So I've had already, I think it's about 15, close to 20% increase in gas mileage. That means that those rising gas prices, well, we're doing better by keeping our expenses down. Holy cow, are you serious? And I said, well, you know, this could go on. RVs and tractors and motorcycles and cars and trucks, of course, and every company that's got a delivery thing. And this, and so I asked him, I said, what about fuel oil? I mean, you could, he's, he does diesel. He said, oh, you mean like furnaces and stuff? I said, yeah, yeah. He says, well, here's a story for you. Uh, this woman I know lives out here in the Midwest and, uh, she said something about her mother having this, these huge fuel bills a couple of years ago. So I went and I put one on and I, you know, just, he's got a, an application that you put permanently on. The thing on the phone, that's the first thing, the way to go. I actually have one now on the phone. So you can do that after each fill up. But there is another thing, and we'll get to that later. We're just starting, starting off here. He puts the device which is apparently about this big, on the fuel source for the furnace. She now averages a savings of $450 per year on fuel costs. And we were on the phone earlier, and he introduced me to the woman. Oh, I love his stuff. I love everything in his energy. I'm going, okay. So I said to him, look, let's do something kind of unique if, if you're up for it. Yeah, I want to get this stuff out. I said, let's, you know, what when you sold these, what did you sell these for? He said, they were $300 a pop on the ones you put on. And we sold thousands and thousands. And, you know, this got me in trouble. Okay. So we talked about, look, these are the times. Prices are going through the roof and everything. And they're going to continue to go up in fuel oil and gasoline and diesel, propane. It works on propane. It works on uh, lamps, you know, these anything with fuel and combustion. It it rearranges things. Now, there's information on a link. I think I got the link on the blog. And believe me, this is the introduction. I'm going to promote this. We've partnered up, so I called it. I said, "Let's you know give it a new name for this." Playarium. Well, why would I want to put Playarium? Though it's not the Playarium haven't you know created this endorsement. Well, we've got this electron energy article just written. Wait till you see the the image we chose for the site. I hadn't read Renee's article yet, and I go, "Oh my gosh, we chose such a similar image." It's not that this is electron energy. These are holograms, folks. He has put energy somehow. I don't understand it. 
in there. And when the light of the phone, let's say, beams through the hologram, it adjusts the molecular structure somehow of the fuel in the tank. Okay, I don't know. And in a way, I don't care, except that it works so far. This is my experience. Will I be proved wrong ever? I don't know. There's a lot of people that have already done this. And he has, oh, he's got like a test from a diesel truck thing, 38% reduction. So he's gone through all this stuff years ago. He is 12 years ago. He had this thing going. So I said, okay, what do you think? And he said, let's lower the price. Let's really lower the price. Came down to, I think it's 120 bucks or something now for the decal. Forget that for right now, because that's going to be available soon. It'll either be 120 or 125, whatever it is. But right now, the decal is $65. It's a hologram, and it's got at least a five-year life. And so far, there are people that get over 30 to 40%. I guess it depends on your car and the condition of the engine. I am saying that right now, everybody that's interested in such a thing might want to get it or look into it for sure, because here's the other part of it. We discussed this and said, I said to him, well, what about you could make it somewhat so people can also sell it? He says, yeah, I know what you mean. I've done that. Affiliate marketing. It's not multi-level. But it means that anybody that buys one can sign up for free and then they can sell. And yeah, they'll have two levels underneath them, but they'll be commissioned on those. All they have to do is sell one unit themselves. There's other than that, there's no minimal purchases. There's no meetings. You have to go. None of the stuff that the multi-level thing and you don't even have. If you don't want to, you can tell your family, share it. If it's on the phone, you want to charge up Uncle Joe's truck or something. But it's better if people ha- at least have this for themselves, if it works. Now, I'm going out on a limb, except I'm not, because I see this happening in my car with one half tank of gas. So, yeah, I know how it sounds, because when he told me what it did, I said, oh, my goodness, sure. You see, I had sold a device in Los Angeles in the 90s that did a similar thing. It was a copper device with a piece of metal inside you put it in your fuel line and it it did reduce but you have to mess with it you don't have to mess with it and you don't have to that device did wear down the company was shut down for whatever reason but this the light goes through and you've treated your fuel and if you have the decal put near the fuel tank any fuel goes in there is treated now he has given me i'm not going to quote the mileage that he's told me he has run without an oil change on several cars, but it's in the five figures. I'm not going to quote it because that's not what we're guaranteeing his results. We're simply saying this does this and it's science. He has done some rather remarkable things because I've looked into his background. He shared lots with me and I'm going, holy cow. It's like, this is not your new agey, so-called alternative stuff this is a whole different level and we have set it up so that there is on the blog right now there's a link to the main page you there's a place you could go for information about how you could get the device and how you can sign up if you want to 
to be able to sell it and turn people onto it and create some kind of a relatively passive in, you know, income stream. It's up to it. If you're industrious and if you're self-motivated and you're saying, I'm going to do something personally. Remember, Meyer tells us we don't change the world from the top down. We work on ourselves. We, we study the teaching and we test it and we move to, to that forward evolution day by day. Make mistakes. Correct. Go on and on. Then we're working with our partners, with our family. And then this is spreading out into society, not in big blustering ways, but it's spreading out through that, they use the term, you know, it's evolutive. There are swinging waves, there's energies. Okay, good. It sounds, you know, some people, oh, is it new age? No, no, no. It's not at all. It's not mysticism. It's not paranormal. It's physics too. It's the law of cause and effect is the teaching. So here our friend Thunder comes up with this thing, and I'm inviting you to look into it, to get one, and test it for yourself. And then we're going to have a portion on the show, all goes well, beginning, not I write callers, but we'll be getting people that are going to say, I got to tell you about this thing. You know, and my, my cousin now has one, and so on. If look, we know there's a lot coming we can't do anything about on the but there are things we can do about. This is available internationally. Anybody wants one anywhere in the world, they can have it. The, it's set up so that within two days, the downloads will be instantaneous, and then we'll get the decal up. People can get that. And there will be a little bit of a deal there that if you have already bought this one, you'll get the decal at a discount. He's giving away, in my opinion, for what benefits can accrue to somebody who's just reasonably, look, if you only do it for your own vehicle and it works, well, by golly, you're going to keep driving and you're going to save the money and then some on whatever you paid just for the decal. So I've never done this before. I've never gone into some big pitch on a product, but we're trying to walk the talk and do the thing of taking the problem in our own hands as much as we can and making our little contribution to bettering the climate, the environment, our well-being, financial well-being, contribution to other people's well-being if this serves that purpose then the sky is the limit and it should be cleaned up okay so i'm going to say good night with that if you have any questions you email me um fill out the it's all there and i i look forward very much to hearing from people and suggest some topics and anything else you want we'll be back next week with another guest and hopefully more information about this and how lovely the world can be. So thank you, Salome. Be safe and serene and have a wonderful week.